Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. And that question from Kevin Nagandi answered by our college football playoff reporter, Heather Dinich. That's the most open-ended, wide-open response you can have. Heather will join us this morning on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin at 640. Fellas, simply put, the Big Ten made big news when they were the first Power Five league to postpone. Then they made a big U-turn. And now they've got a big problem, as Heather said, any team across the country could have pausing the program at the University of Wisconsin for seven days. Key, their game with Nebraska is canceled. And if they can't get back on the field for another seven days, they wouldn't be back out there, presumably until next Wednesday, which could put their game with Purdue into jeopardy. And oh, by the way, Purdue played their first game without their head coach, Jeff Brom, who was battling COVID himself. What a mess. Yeah, but before we dive into the Wisconsin-Nebraska thing, good morning. How are good you morning. Guys doing? I'm doing good, good man. What, what happened yesterday to you guys at home with no major sports being played? What did you do? I thought this was a major story. I was wrapped up in this particular story all day. I think this is a huge story. No, I think you're no underplaying movies, this. No movies? I, 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 have any of that I had a monumental day. Daughter, okay. daughter went on the potty for the first time. Oh. Yeah, big day in the family. Okay. Big day happens. You know, two years old, it happens. We're there. Yeah. That's it. Probably not exciting. I mean, Zubin doesn't really care about this. He's more locked into articles, but. No, that's not. She's obviously walking and stuff, right? Yeah, she's walking. Yeah, she's walking around it. Yes. No, but I'm saying like pulling up, climbing, doing all those things. She's climbing everywhere, man. Okay. I need a scouting report on that. I already find myself looking at these little boys coming over to the house being like, I'm looking at your kneecaps, man. I'm watching (laughs) you. Stop, man. I'm watching you. (laughs) Oh, okay. Just wanted to see how the day went without sports because I found myself not turning on the TV at all. Really? No movies, no nothing? Just didn't even touch it. Didn't touch the remote. Uh, you know, followed follow some of what was going on in Wisconsin, obviously, online, but didn't dial in to the television or any other sport networks to, to find out. Everything that I've researched was pretty much online, as I said at my desk. Um, Very good, Key. I see you practicing you, being present. I well, like that. Yes. I mean, it's it's. I have kids, you know. Even though, <laughs> even though they go in another room, they don't really fool with you. Uh, they're they're at that age where they're not really trying to listen to you. Even, you know, kids get to be eight and ten years old. They're like, I, mean, I got my own friends that I want to communicate with. But the Wisconsin situation is interesting because they're one of the better teams out of the Big Ten, and some people would say one of the better teams throughout the country. Now they 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 run the risk of, uh, you know. Not necessarily, I don't want to say forfeiting, but not playing. No contest. No contest. Uh, and having, you know, six, seven games opposed to having a full slate of games that was given to them at the start of the Big Ten season. You know, for me, it's like, okay, did I really want to see Wisconsin in the Final Four anyway? I mean, even if they ran the table, is that is that a matchup that I want to see? I've, I've seen them in bowl games. And that just is not – Appealing to me. I understand from a, a Wisconsin standpoint that the fan base and Badger fan base would love to be in the Final Four and have a chance to play against Ohio State in the champ, Big Twelve, champ, Big Ten Championship. They'll still be able to do that. You know, they'll, I think they'll still be able to win that side of the uh, the conference. But all in all, when you start to get one test leading to another test that's positive, leading to another test that's positive, we knew that something was going to happen. It's happened in pro sports. It's happened in college sports where it was either a postponement of some sort or rescheduling of some sort. Now, all of a sudden, this is completely taken off the board. 
it just seems like it's going to be extremely challenging considering Greg Mertz, who is rising superstar in college football and football in general, who has COVID. He's going to be out 21 days, Zubin. That's that's what the commissioner, Kevin Warren, has stated right. with the with the Big Ten, 21 days. Even though the CDC and other, other leagues are doing 10 to 14 days, Big Ten is different. It just puts them in such a bind. I mean, even their game the following week against Purdue is somewhat in question. No doubt. And, and now you're saying that, you know, I, I think under the tiebreakers created for 2020, Big, team, Big Ten team has to play at least six games, right? So – now, all of a sudden, if that, if that game gets no contest, now you're right at six games. You're right there. And who knows when your starting quarterback is going to come back. But this is, this is what happens when Kevin Warren and company, they did not want to wait. They wanted to cancel the season. They did not build in any bye weeks to give them that buffer in case there were COVID positive tests to postpone the games or to remake them up. And here's where we are. Now, remember, this is their backup quarterback. This is not the original starter. Jack Cohen, the original starter, went down. Mm-hmm. So they could potentially be, if they would have played this game, they could have potentially been on their fourth quarterback. Correct. And so correct. what does that look like, right? Exactly. If you got to play with the fourth quarterback. So, you know, it's like, do I play the game and play with my fourth quarterback? But obviously we got so many players that have tested positive, we, we can't even field the proper roster to put on the field. Uh, you look at the Purdue situation a week from now, what's going to happen? Will we come up with more positive tests? Now, all of a sudden, you missed that game. Now you're down to five games. You can't possibly put an undefeated five-win team in a college football play. You just you can't do it. But it's just not Wisconsin that's being affected by this. I mean, you have a lot of teams in the Big Ten that could be affected by this. If another Absolutely. team gets it, I mean, look, here's here's what this is. It's a series of ebbs and flows, a lot of moving parts. You. Is the crazy siren going off? Yes, initially to a degree, but you have to kind of prepare for having these type of scenarios. It's been happening around the entire country in all professional sports. The reality, though, is that if other teams miss games, if another team were to catch this or somebody else is infected, then it puts the whole league in jeopardy of having a representation in the college football playoffs. Well, the team, the, the league is in jeopardy now just for, from, from the fact that they have to uh, no contest with Nebraska, no contest with Wisconsin. Then you get into Purdue's situation. Now, 21 days, this is just the one player. What about the other players? And what about the other staff? So now you're getting into that, which will run into the Purdue situation. Now, Purdue misses a game because they have a no contest. Now, that seventh game is off their board. So you start to – it becomes a trickle-down effect for sure, no question about it. And by the way – I mean, states in the Midwest are rampant right now with COVID. So it, that's... That's it, the bigger issue. The yes. state of Wisconsin has just built a field hospital of all the hotspots in the country. Pockets of Wisconsin are all over the top 15. Let me just give you some stats for context with the numbers the guys threw out. A coach needs to isolate for 10 days. The reason I bring that up is one of the 12 people that tested positive is Wisconsin head coach Paul Christ, who was mm-hmm. heavily criticized in the opener last Friday for not having the mask above mm-hmm. the nose. We'll hear from Paul Christ in a second. As Jay mentioned, Graham Mertz, their superstar stud quarterback, also tested positive, as did his backup, Chase Wolf. So that's why Key said they could be on their fourth-string quarterback. And Jack Cohen, who was the original starter, 
is out. Right. He's got a foot injury, non-COVID related, so you're down to your fourth string quarterback. If you're a player, it's 21 days. So if you're Coach Chris, it's 10 in isolation. If you're a player, it's 21. That essentially is three games, three weeks, as Jay said, no buy. If you're wondering, they have contact traced at Illinois, their previous opponent, no positive test. Good news for the Illini program. And right now, it's six players, six staff members, and Wisconsin is going to the lengths of making sure all of these people can get separate hotel rooms because a lot of these players cohabitate. They live in a big house together. Obviously, that can happen. This is Paul Christ, Wisconsin head coach, who tested positive during a PCR test. The entire program took on Tuesday, on this week's game with Nebraska, essentially being a no contest. We were wanting the opportunity and our players were wanting the opportunity to play. And and then to not have that opportunity, and, and I know why and I support, you know, and understand why we're not. But, you know, when you have a hand in it, you, you, you don't feel that that's where there's a, a disappointment. That's a good question. Jay and I were just talking while listening to Paul Christ exactly why it's such so draconian. Why is it 21 days? Why is it three weeks? I've seen so many reports that have kind of debunked that theory, and there's all these different scientists talking. I mean, the CDC, granted, the CDC recommends 10 to 14 days. I don't know why you attack on another seven days. They're the only conference to do that. The only speculation I could come up with very quickly here is the fact that they were the first league to postpone. So they essentially said, when we come back, if we're not ultra stringent, yeah. it might make us look a little hypocritical. We were scared of the virus to the point where we postponed. Now everyone's playing, making money. Everybody's fan base is excited. Our fan base is despondent because we're not playing. But if we come back after being the first league to postpone, we might have to be overcompensating when we come back. We should also mention Michigan and Michigan State are led by epidemiologists, not just doctors, epidemiologist, so there could be something on the way there. I want you to be a part of the Keyshawn J. Will and Zuba Nation on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed this morning, asking everybody, does Justin Turner deserve to be punished? Let us know. ESPN Nation presented by Dr. Pepper. It's official. College football's back, and so is your favorite Dr. Pepper-loving college football town, Fansville. Head to a store near you to treat your inner college football fan to a nice cold 20-ounce Dr. Pepper today. Still to come, Key says Justin Turner wasn't running out there the other night just to meet his teammates. He was running out there the other night to show somebody something. That's on the way. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. As Jay has often said, seems simple enough. It's not that easy for most people, though, apparently. Keyshawn, Jay, Will, and Zubin were presented by Progressive Insurance. In that group of people would be Justin Turner. I'm sure you heard about it yesterday, the fallout. His team wins the World Series. Oh, by the way, that becomes a secondary story. <laughs> the primary story was Justin Turner testing positive for the coronavirus, being out there with a mask, without a mask, with 
his teammates. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests on the Shell Pennzoil performance line will talk NFL with Damian Woody here in one hour as week eight is underway tonight between Atlanta and Carolina. <laughs> it's time for Straight Talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. Let's head straight into the discussion with a little bit of context. I want you to hear from Major League Baseball Commissioner Rob Manfred. Now, this is back on February 16th. So this would have been when baseball was hoping to hold spring training for a normal season. And here he is talking about Dodger fans and other fans wondering how we should look at the Astros 2017 championship after the cheating scandal. The idea of, you know, an asterisk or asking for a piece of metal back um, seems, you know, sort of a futile act. People are always know that there was something about the 2017 World Series uh, that was different, and they're going to know that. Um, we undertook a really thorough investigation, and we had the intestinal fortitude to put out there the facts we found, even though they weren't very pretty. And we should mention, again, the piece of metal he's referring to, obviously, is the World Series championship trophy, known as the Commissioner's Trophy. Justin Turner, a day later, before all this drama started and the coronavirus, this is just a day later in February, maximum level of anger at Manfred disrespecting the players and what they play for. For him to devalue it the way he did yesterday is, is just tells me how out of touch he is with, with the players in this game. And, you know, at this point, the only thing devaluing that trophy is that it says commissioner on it. And Key, you said a lot of this has to do with Justin Turner's yesterday insistence to go out there in October the developments of what we just heard between these two folks in February. Well, it's not. It's not that it, there's a lot that has to do with it. It's in the back. I'm sure it's in the back of Justin Turner's mind. Although Major League Baseball did have security on the field to ask Justin Turner to not celebrate with his teammates, and I'm sure Justin Turner basically said, "I got the trophy. You know, now that piece of metal is with my team. I'm going out there to certainly celebrate with them, regardless to what." your security or whoever tried to intervene and stop him from going out there, say it. Um, you know, you you know when you have an issue with somebody, you know, you know, he knows a commissioner, he got an issue with the commissioner based on what he said. Now I have an opportunity to celebrate the ultimate trophy. The ultimate goal was to win it. We did it. I'm going to celebrate regardless to what yellow jacket security or whatever the case, mall cop, whoever you have out there, Try and stop me if you feel like it. That's really disappointing if that's the case. Like, if that's the case, if it's about being spiteful, if it's about having a piece of metal and running out on the field in order to show up the commissioner, that's disappointing. I I, I, I don't even know how to respond to this. I, I just feel like watching this in real time. And yesterday, I sat up here and talked about MLB should have done a better job to remove him away from the situation. But then after finding out more about this story, you hear that Justin Turner found a way to get away from them and get himself on the field. He eluded the cops. And and this goes back to something that Charles Barkley said way back in the day. You know, I, I'm not a role model, you know, for your kids. I'm not. But we're, we live in a time and age where we are. We are as athletes, as people in general, and setting the model for going through a pandemic, regardless of whether you're celebratory or not, if you have COVID, you can't just think about yourself and what you need for yourself. You have to think about your teammates. You have to think about the other people 
that potentially you could affect by your own actions. So hearing Justin Turner talk earlier in the year about how serious they were taking COVID, about how they're going to make sure that everybody had masks in the dugouts and things of that sort, I just walk away from this very disappointing. I think it's a bad look for the Dodgers organization, and I think it's a bad look for Justin Turner. And it's unfortunate that we're talking about this because we should be talking and praising a team for winning the World Series. It, it, it's a look, Major League Baseball, as I said yesterday, they probably had security out there, and he was wasn't having it because he wanted to celebrate with his teammates. I understand what you're saying, Jay. His teammates clearly embraced him as part of it. In fact, they believed that if he was not on the field with him, them at the time, and he was, let's say, in the locker room, they would have just gone down to the locker room and celebrated with but him. He, can, this is do, coming do, out of their mouth. Do you think all the players knew what happened? Because I, yeah, I heard yeah. somebody. I think eventually, by the time they started to celebrate, of course, they realized that when they took him out in the eighth inning, they didn't realize at that moment. But as you know, as time went on into the ninth inning, they certainly knew but, whispers started to go okay, throughout the dugout. Great. Absolutely, whispers. Right, but you and I both played in games, right? So I don't have time to do a full detailed report while while my mind is focused on trying to win a World Series or trying to win a Super Bowl or trying to win a national championship in college. Like, I'm focused on the game. Yeah, I hear what's going on, but I don't know what the results are. So all of a sudden, like, I see my teammate, a guy obviously I've, I've been through hell and back with, run on the field after the game, me not knowing results, but I'm obviously no, but Jay, I'm assuming that he's okay Jay, because he's of, on the field. One of your top players is not on the field abruptly you're going to ask the guy next to you, hey, Zubin, what happened to Jay? And Jay, Jay he, he tested positive for COVID. Or when we're going off the field or into the locker room or we're in the dugout, that communication is going on. They're not just not going to say nothing. They're having that conversation. They Seager, absolutely is having a conversation. Seeker did say during the eighth inning he looked over, saw Edwin Rios standing there and wondered to himself, What's Edwin Rios doing yeah. out there? A <laughs> couple of points of context to note here. Uh, Buster Only is reporting that the Dodgers are in a situation where they are being investigated by Major League Baseball to see whether any Dodgers personnel facilitated his return to the field. That would mm. pose to Jade's point about how serious this is and who's really in charge. Just the last couple of things. I know you want to get in here. Last couple of things. The Dodgers have flown back to Los Angeles. Justin Turner and his wife, who has tested negative, are still in Arlington at this moment. All I was going to say is... We're not talking about how great of a job baseball has done, especially the way things kicked off for finishing the season. We're not talking about the Dodgers winning the World Series. We're not talking about Corey Seager being the MVP. We're talking about Justin Turner and his decision, and we're talking about egg on the face of the Dodger organization. And this is, this is a bad look for baseball. A bad look for baseball in general. No doubt about it. Straight Talk Wireless, no contract, no compromise. We're asking you this morning. You've certainly heard what Key said. Some suspension is warranted. Jay is essentially apoplectic that this even happened. I'm kind of in Jay's camp. We're asking our Dr. Pepper Twitter nation what the punishment should be for Justin Turner. Suspension? Fine? Nothing. 46% of you have said suspension. Now, that's obviously a pretty vague term. We'll wait to see what the commissioner does, if anything. How about this, fellas? 32% of everybody weighing in this morning on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed. You can hit us at Key J and Z, by the way. 32%. No punishment. They must be from L.A., right? <laughs> at nothing's off limit. I'm not sure where he's from, but he just hit us up on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed. Quote, he deserved to be out there. Yes, it's not a good look for him. The Dodgers are MLB, as Jay has said. Can you imagine never winning the World Series again and couldn't celebrate the one 
you did. Interesting. Tough. Fair enough. Fair enough. On the way, one title contender has $80 million wrapped up in two players. And Jay says they're ready to hit the reset button and rebuild. That is the voice of Woj. Woj will be with us in less than an hour, 7.30, to get our thoughts on that and exactly why he was hired. Let's bring in Jay Will. Jay, you've got some really interesting thoughts to bring in a guy that's never been a head coach to coach this particular team with this particular salary structure at this particular time. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus, electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome. So you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C ebikes.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash unsportsmanlike today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash unsportsmanlike. So Silas is a good coach. I've known of him for a while. Spent time with Rick Carlisle. Uh, Luka Doncic really likes him. Uh, spent time with Steve Clifford, obviously the son of Paul Silas. The interesting play here, though, is was this a choice that was made due to his ability to connect to James Harden and Russell Westbrook? I really do believe that this is a rebuilding mode that the Houston Rockets are in. Um, and when you're in rebuilding mode, the question is when you have $80 million of your salary tied up into two individuals – how much room does that really give you to move and to make things happen? It seems like the Rockets' only tradable asset is Russell Westbrook. Is Russell Westbrook because of what he can probably get you in return. Uh, Eric Gordon, he's been banged up with injuries. Robert Covington, he's owed $36 million over the next two years or so. He's talented, but it's not the same piece as Russell Westbrook. So I guess the question comes, Key, it's not even a question. It's more of a statement. I do not believe we're going to see James Harden win a world championship in Houston. I just do not. I mean, they're not going to be, you're not going to have them over to the Lakers next year. You're not going to have them over to the Clippers next year. You're not going to have them over Golden State next year. I think Denver will be a better team next year because they're built more for the playoffs unless they make some crazy moves and get the right pieces. But I don't know how you get the right pieces unless 
you use Russell Westbrook as a trade asset. The the field is obviously stacked in the West. There's no question about it. I mean, you you failed to mention not failed, but you didn't mention Dallas, right? You didn't Dallas mention, too. Yep. So when you when Portland, you look Utah. at it, Portland, Utah, when you start to look at where they're at as an organization and as a team in the makeup of the team, yes, you can move Westbrook or you can move James Harden, whoever you want to move. What are you getting back in return? In order to win a championship, you got to have stars. You got to have some snack, crackle, pop, and some star power. You could trade one of your stars in Westbrook. Let's use him as an example. But what are you getting back in return? Right? We've seen James Harden by himself as the Lone Ranger. Hasn't worked out. You add something to him other than a Westbrook, for instance. Who 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 is that going to be? Like, what big piece are you going to get? that's going to get them past a LeBron James and AD or Kawhi Leonard and a PG or the makeup of Golden State that we see yet. We haven't seen everything with them. We see what they have, but they got the number two pick in the draft. They may be making moves behind closed doors. All of a sudden, that number two pick turns into something else. They get stronger. So when you start to look at it, what's the best fit? Let's just move him. What's the best foot fit for Westbrook? Where does he fit? Who would want to acquire that? There's a team here in almost in L.A., here in New York, like the Knicks, that need some, some snack, crackle, pop, need somewhat of a leader, a guy that potentially could do some things and energize a franchise, and maybe you could grab a few pieces and put them around him, but does he fit into what Tibbs wants to do as a basketball player? Because he's not sure uh, roles that Tibbs had, in Chicago where he was basically the, you know, he was the field general. He was the floor. He, he, he was a point guard. Westbrook doesn't fit in that traditional guard mode. He's more of a scoring two guard. Well, Russ, I mean, look, I, I think Russ would fit in New York city. He's a triple double machine. Uh, the city, but what the, about the, the city, but what about what Tibbs wants to do on the floor. I actually think Russ and Tibbs will work well together. Russ seems like he's built DNA wise, similar to Jimmy Butler and Jimmy Butler, that kind of rough, that tough in your face, relentless attitude, 24 seven. That's how Russ plays. Now I hear what your question is. If you're your Knicks, what are you willing to give up? I mean, you're willing to give up a lot of stuff. You're willing to give up Alpha Payton, Bobby Portis, throw Kevin Knox in there, throw a, a second round pick, throw a first round pick in 2022. Uh, you're willing to make moves in order to wheel and deal and then if you're Houston, if you're using that and some of those pieces come off the books, you know, who are, what other big-time free agent could you target, could you go after? I, I don't know what the answers are right now, but it still seems like there's so many moving parts, right? Like, it, it felt like Ty Lue was supposed to be the guy to go to Houston. That didn't work out. Really happy for Coach Silas. First head coaching opportunity, right? He's been assistant coach in the league for 20 years. Incredible pedigree. But at the same time, you're, you're having two guys who people expect to win yesterday. The, the whole narrative on James Harden is he's the guy that can do it for you throughout the regular season but can't do it to you in the playoffs. So if you're James Harden, you're getting to that point. You know, how much longer do I give time here in Houston to a rebuilding process before I start thinking about if, if the goal is to win a championship, if you don't feel confident in leadership – in Houston, where do I go? But Who you, do I partner with to actually help me achieve my goal? Let me ask you this. So if, if I'm James Harden now, 
we moved on from Westbrook. Now I'm James Harden, and I'm not getting. I still don't even see it working next year with J- with Russell Westbrook there. No, no, I'm saying I'm saying I'm James Harden. I said okay. we've moved on from the conversation yep. of Westbrook. Now let's have a conversation about James Harden. If I'm James Harden and I feel that this isn't working out in Houston, but I'm ball dominant, I'm a scoring machine. Where do I go? Who's willing to absorb <laughs> that cost? Could it be a Milwaukee? Could Milwaukee say, you know, wow, him and Giannis together? Put him with Giannis, maybe. Um, Giannis likes the ball in transition, likes the ball in isolated situations. James and him together, wow, you you can't stop that. Those are some great. great I would get out of the. I would get out of the West. I would get. I mean, Steph and Clay ain't going nowhere, (laughs) right? The Clippers are going to be there for a while. It seems like Bron got another two, three, four years in him. With AD, they're able to retain AD. Denver's only getting better with Jokic and Jamal Murray. Utah's getting good. Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, and company. Luke and the Mavs. Chris Paul the Mavs to the Lakers. Better. Chris Paul There's going to the Lakers. Of, uh, the West is loaded, man. I, I, I sit there and look at the East. Okay, Miami, Boston, Milwaukee. Philly is trying to make changes, but it seems more open. You're right. The path does seem a little bit more clear. We should mention for those that aren't familiar, because there is a lot of NBA talk going on, uh, Tibbs is Tom Thibodeau, who you might remember from the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Chicago Bulls, now the head coach of the New York Knicks. Keyshawn J. Bulls, you've been brought to you by Pennzoil. Crude oil is crude. Natural gas is pure. That's why Pennzoil's base oil is made from natural gas, not crude. Giving you unbeatable engine protection. The proof is in the Pennzoil, based on sequence 4A, wear test using SAE 5W30. Let's talk a little college football. With the number of positives in that short of timeline, the chancellor and I felt that we had to make this decision and get our arms around this whole uh, virus now. We were wanting the opportunity and our players were wanting the opportunity to play. And then to not have that opportunity, that's where there's a, a disappointment. We're talking about spikes right now in every state in the Big Ten. I'm not a doctor, but I, there's no way I can sit here and tell you that there's a positive outlook on this. It's a great point. Heather Dinich is not a doctor, but she's something more important. She's an ESPN college football playoff reporter. She's one of the best we have. You just heard there before Heather, the voice of Barry Alvarez, the former legendary head coach, now the AD, saying he and Chancellor Rebecca Blank made this mm-hmm. decision. So it's the very top of the organizational food chain. And then you heard from Paul Chris, the head coach who was tested positive. Heather, good morning. Even though you're not at MD, we're going to allow you to be on the program this morning. Uh, 12 positive tests, six players, six staff members. That's the deal for Wisconsin. We'll talk about what it means for their playoff chances with a truncated schedule in a second. But first, take me more inside what you said about how the rest of the Big Ten footprint is reacting to this. Well, everybody knows, Zubin, that there are cases rising throughout the country, particularly where the Big Ten schools are located. But, you know, this is what they have been preparing for since March. And that's their response to this, is that we have probably what are the strictest protocols for return to play in college football right now. So it's at the very least 21 days before a player can return to the field because Paul Chris and any um, player or staff member who tested positive will be self-isolated for 10 days per CDC guidelines, but the players go beyond that and then 
and they have to be cleared by a cardiologist before they can return. They start with light to moderate exercise and then they go through a return to play progression, which gets them game ready to get back on the field. So, you know, the Big Ten is keeping its fingers crossed that they can make it through this entire season. But this is what everyone expected, whether you have daily antigen testing or not. Heather, why why the Big Ten so strict in their policy on the 21 days? Could that eventually, based on what we're seeing, could that change? I think it could change, and I think it's a matter of waiting for more data to be collected. Um, What happens, guys, is let's just say hypothetically if a player at Penn State tests positive – then they have to drive about 90 minutes to Hershey Medical Center off campus to go through cardiology tests. And that data then is shipped to University of Maryland Medical Center, where it's like a a data bank, essentially, for every single player in the Big Ten who tests positive. After they have what the scientists and doctors consider to be enough medical information to say, okay, look, this isn't a problem we can let them return sooner, then I would imagine that they would probably do that. The question is, how much data do they need? How long would that take? You know, I heard from one source yesterday, it could be a December evaluation. At that point, is it even worth it? I don't know the answer to that. But yes, I do think that it could change. But the reason they're so stringent to answer your question is because when this all started, myocarditis was a huge fear amongst university presidents. So in order to get them back on the field, that medical advisory committee had either say, look, this is overblown or these are the ways we're going to mitigate it. And the answer turned out to be B. Being our college football playoff senior writer, <clears throat> Heather, sorry about that. Um, could, let's say a 5-0 and Wisconsin type team, could they still make it to the college playoff? Well, Two points on that. One, in order to qualify for the Big Ten Conference Championship game this year, as we sit here and teams are playing an eight, nine-game schedule, you have to play six games, right? And Wisconsin has already canceled one. It's going to be a no contest. Now, the average number of Big Ten games at the end of this thing is what matters. So let's say if every school in the Big Ten plays seven games, then you have to have at least no more than two fewer than that to play in the Big Ten championship game. So you'd have to play five games to get in that thing. So, yes, Wisconsin, depending on what everybody else does in the Big Ten and how many games everyone plays, they can still win the West. But right now, they don't even know if they can play the Purdue game. And that's that's the truth. As we sat here yesterday, Barry Alvarez and Paul Chris said, we have no idea if we're going to play Purdue and if we're going to how long this seven day pause is really going to last. The second part of that answer is the college football playoff has not yet set a benchmark for how many games you have to qualify, play to qualify for a semifinal. So I don't know if they will necessarily. Would they put in a 2-0 and team? Probably not. Would they put in a 5-0 and team? Maybe. <laughs> Heather, how do, you, how do you think the Big Ten is going to handle this? Because this obviously will likely not be the only team that will have to cancel a game. You said Purdue. Obviously, COVID is rampant in the Midwest. That is a geographical region of the Big Ten How do you just see them navigating all this moving forward? 
Well, I think it's going to be really difficult. And it's like every other school and every other conference. And I think that's what all college football fans need to realize right now. I understand we're focused on the Big Ten and for good reason. The Pac-12 hasn't even joined the party yet, guys. And when you look at Florida, it's not working out too well for Dan Mullen down there. The SEC has had plenty of games disrupted. Notre Dame had a game postponed. They're playing Wake Forest now on December 12th, I believe it is. So where we are as a country right now is the same place college football is, and it's not heading in the right direction. So it's um, it's week to week for every school, and every single conference commissioner that I have spoken to is well aware of that, and it is up to the state and medical and local medical experts as to when this can continue, how it can continue, and it's week to week. It's week to week. It might as well be day to day. It's such a cliche in day to day life, but in college football, it's true reality. Heather with much more as she continues to work the story. She'll be on Get Up this morning with Greeny and Company at 8 a.m. Eastern on ESPN. Heather, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks, Heather. Thanks, guys. All right. From that, we go from A to Z, featuring a couple of former college football legends themselves. And from A to Z is brought to you by Redbox. Now available at Redbox, an edge-of-your-seat action thriller that can't be missed. Rent Ava starring the great Jessica Chastain. Visit Redbox.com for all the ways to watch. Baker Mayfield, of course, a legend at Oklahoma, addressing the idea that the team might be better off Cleveland without Odell Beckham Jr., who's out for the year after a left knee injury. ACL, he's done. Baker, not even interested in litigating this conversation. Well, one, I think it's just completely insensitive to a guy that just tore his ACL. So I'm not even going to comment on it. You never want to lose guys, and that's, that's where I'm going to leave that one. Why do we even ask players questions like that? Those are just dumb questions. What do you expect Baker Mayfield to say, yes, we are better without <laughs> Odell Beckham Jr.? What? Right. Right. What? If you know the answer, why ask it? And in this particular case, Baker shut it down right away. Jay, I totally agree with you. On the other side, of course, is the Alabama legend, Tua Tungavailoa. He'll make his debut as a starter. He got in there for mop-up duty against the Jets. A couple weeks back, threw a couple passes, was two for two. But now it's on. It's for real. They will welcome the NFL's, in many people's opinion, toughest defense full of these dudes. Say hello to the Rams, Tua. I think it's really exciting for our offense and our team to show, you know, what kind of team that, you know, we, we kind of have, you know, after a bye week and whatnot. But we know what we're going up against. We're going up against um, one of the top NFL defenses, you know, in, in the league. Um, and it, it's not just Jalen Ramsey. It's not just Aaron Donald. You know, you guys got, you know, Leonard Floyd. You guys got Brockers, Young, um, and then Troy Hill, guys on the back end. You know, so they're, they're very sound um, defensively. So, you know, we're really trying our best to prepare. Do you think Rams, real Rams, eat dolphins? Do you do you think if I threw, so it's like a land mammal against a waterfowl? Yeah, it's you a think tough if I call. you think if I threw it out there that a real ram would eat it up because is this that's Animal Planet or ESPN? No, what this is what's about? getting ready to happen to him. They just <laughs> threw him to the Rams, so they're getting ready to munch up on him. I'm sorry. They're going to get him. Did you notice how he actually channeled the other team's head coach? He was McVay there. He was just thanking everybody. Well, I mean, everybody. It, but that's that's who Tua is. Uh, unfortunately for him, they just threw him to the wolves. It's okay, though. Get get knocked around a little bit. Get to understand that you're not going up against Kentucky. This is not one of those. This is not South Carolina. <laughs> this, is, this is some real grown-ass men football with full beards 
with car seats the in the back of the car. <laughs> you love that, right? <laughs> they, and so when you got guys like Aaron Donald and, and, and that crew coming after you, you, you got you to keep your head on the swivel. What do you think, Jay? I, I think it's going to be interesting because Tua kind of strikes me as one of these guys. I mean, look, the Rams are only favored by three and a half. Mm-hmm. Tells the only favored by three and a half. <laughs> yeah, the I games know. in Miami, and I. I but just, NFL games are never, and I'm not even a better. But NFL games spreads are never really like big. I They're always it. close within field goal, you know, short of a touchdown. Well, I mean, the Chiefs versus the Jets—that's pretty big. That's like nineteen and a half. Man, but, but come on, man. I know, but uh, the well, Jets. all I'm saying is that yes, it's going to be a hell of a defense for Tua to go against in his first game. But at the same time, we all know that sometimes it depends upon what Jared Goff you get. And sometimes Jared Goff can keep you in the game as well. So Yeah, I'm not I'm not betting on I'm not betting against the Rams with Brockers and and, and Ramsey and Jones and Don I'm Fowler. I'm not I'm not doing that. On the flip side, by the way, only nineteen and a half. That's a pretty low number. Taylor rapping teams. the comp No, man, I'm not doing that. The more I'm not taking two over them. The more interesting story for the moment might be the start of something for Miami. They're on that quest to finally get the guy after Marino. It's been almost 25 years. What are the expectations just this season that you would put, not that should be put, you would put on Tua? What do we need to see? I just want to see him understand the pro game and be a pro quarterback, play like a pro quarterback. If you look at Justin Herbert and you look at Joe Burrow, two of the other guys that came out in the draft with him, they actually look like, Pro quarterbacks. Justin Herbert just got his first victory. Been phenomenal. Uh, Joe Burrow's close. He's very close. Um, has done some tremendous things uh, for Cincinnati. I, I want to see Tua in the tough situation. Now, look, he's three and three. He's taking over team three and three. He's going up against the Rams. They're still in the playoff hunt. It'll be interesting to see if he could keep it alive. Now, is Tua that much better than Ryan Fitzpatrick? Probably better than him. They probably could still fight, you know, fight to get into the playoffs with Tua underneath. As long as the game isn't too big for him, you don't know until you put him out there. If I'm the Miami Dolphins, I did the right thing because I don't want to go into 2021 season not knowing what quarterback I have and what it looks like because I stayed with Ryan Fitzpatrick too long thinking that if I get down to week 15, I finally can play. My young guy gets two games under his belt before next season. No, give him somewhat of a full slate. Will, Jay, you got one thing real quick? No, no, no. we'll talk about it later. Yeah, absolutely. We will talk much more NFL with Damian Hot Woody. Hot sauce on the Dolphin? <laughs> <laughs> That's cold-blooded, man. Frank's Red Hot possibility here. Here we go. Damian Woody will join us at 7.15 to talk more NFL. On the way, KD takes another little jab. At LeBron. Thanks for listening to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. You can hear the show live weekdays at 6 Eastern on ESPN Radio, ESPN News, or wherever you stream your audio.